Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Thanks, Ken. It's uh, very kind, all the honoring that's gone on this morning. And um, yeah, it's such a privilege for, for me to be here. And thank you, Andreas and Christella, and now Mike and, um, and Helen, for the wonderful privilege of being here. Um, I, as I was waiting on the Lord, was, you know, because Andreas asked me, in that I had, I've had some. <coughs> prophetic input here over the years, if I would just wait on the Lord and, uh, and perhaps bring something this morning that might just set a path and, and give a word from God for the future for the church and for those who are involved. And as I was waiting on the Lord earlier this week and just saying, Lord, you know, because these are heavy things to carry out, it's not something I take lightly. And I'd, I was praying and walking up and down and praying and, and, uh, and I felt the Lord said, just tell them don't lose the plot. I thought that's a, you know, it's a kind of colloquial language, and would I actually say that on Sunday? But I want to say this as I, as I share with you what I've written down, because I wrote it down, uh, and there are words here that would speak specifically to Michael and Helen and to uh, Andreas and Christella, and then also to the church. Um, it really is a case of of the Lord, I believe, saying, I have placed in the heart of this congregation a direction, a call, and a purpose. Now, don't lose the plot. Don't, don't in the handover, don't in the, change, in the changeover, lose that which I have placed as the call on this church. And I think it will come clear as I read this. So I felt God said, do not become confused about the purpose of this local church. You've been called with a greater calling to the whole than to this local suburb. But you will now find yourselves engaging as never before in the local work and outreach into the spiritually needy community. And I know that there's going to be a huge impact now locally because, because of the change of gifting, because of the change of leadership. Um, and I think your influence into this area is going to be much, much greater than it has been because of because of what God's doing, but also because there's a stirring in the body of Christ at the moment. And I, I, I shared this a little in our, in our retreat over the last few days. I have no doubt God is stirring something, and the spiritual water level is rising, and, uh, and we're going to see some exciting things. However, I felt the Lord said, you must never lose sight of the purpose for which I've called you, which was to establish beachheads in unreached areas where people may be economically well-off, but spiritually poor. You have a unique call to such people, and although I've placed you in such a community and you are to reach out to them in a much greater way, speaking of this local community, you must never lose your call to the nations and the role that I've called you to walk in. The apostolic role of this church seems to be at odds with what's visible here, but I've caused you to bring forth fruit which may never be seen locally and remains undervalued. I have seen your labors and your sacrifices, and I know the price that has been paid. And you will continue to impact not only this local region, the confines of your Samaria, but also 
to the ends of the earth. And do not be surprised, therefore, if I call you to continue to support that, and I'm now talking to the local church. I feel God would say this to you. Don't be surprised, therefore, if I call you to continue to support that which reaches out from here and to continue to make provision for the bigger picture. Your footprint is bigger than the size of this local body, and you are to continue supporting the wider work that emanates from here. And so I think as you understand that apostolic call and that is particularly upon Andreas and the call to the nations that is upon this church, it costs. And there is in the giving to the bigger picture always a price that has to be paid back home. And we need to understand that. Michael, to you and Helen. And... I'm so grateful I wrote so much of this down, you know, well, I wrote it all down before, before this weekend. Otherwise, you know, I, I feel like so much of what I, I want to say this morning, God has already spoken. But Michael and Helen, you've not only been a good son and daughter in this house, but an excellent son and daughter. But as of now, you will receive an anointing to fatherhood and to motherhood which will take you into a new level of pastoral anointing that you've never experienced before. And it's exciting. Michael, yours is a pastor-teacher calling, and you'll exercise your gifting with excellence and added passion now, because I believe the Lord says that I've placed before you a season of ministry to this local body which will cause it to grow, and you will find great fulfillment in accomplishing all I have laid before you. There is an authority coming upon you and Helen, which will be astounding. As for many years, you've in many ways withheld the fullness of this authority in deference to your spiritual father. But this will change. As the mantle shifts and you step into the role I have been preparing for you. The two of you will grow in wisdom and love and, and accomplish much in this local body, which will respond quickly to the change of gifting and leadership. A confidence and peace will come upon the people that God says is of His making. Andreas and Christella, just a brief word for you, and that is this. This is not the end of the road by any means. You're both called to continue in the outward working of what you've been doing. As you release the local oversight, so the global work will come into clearer view and your role here will change but not cease as you continue to be mom and dad in the midst. And I know, you know, we talk about becoming grandparents, but in many ways it, that never really happens. It's almost to the day five years since Jane and I handed over to our younger team who took over from us. And you always remain a, a mom and dad in the house. And it's a great place. And so you'll always be mom and dad. Uh, we don't somehow become shifted into a, into a role which is not realistic. But encourage the two of you to know that your place here is secure, that you will remain loved, protected, nurtured, and, and sent with great joy as you go to serve the Lord. To the church, I want to say this. For God would say to you, do not fear this time or this season. I've prepared you all for such a time as this. And my hand is firmly upon the changeover. 
A time of peace and growth lies ahead as you prepare yourselves for the ongoing battle. But do not lose the plot. Your call remains as an apostolic church, one whose influence is felt beyond the four walls of the building, the boundaries of the suburb, the city, and the nation. And I will continue to direct a bigger picture out of here, a bigger plan than yourselves, but my plan nevertheless. And it's a high calling. I want to encourage you as a local church, there is nothing better than to know the anointing and call of God to the nations. We've lived in it, we continue to live in it, and I believe there is a great future for this church. Last thing I felt God said was this, the meld between the local and translocal will be a powerful one, and your influence is spreading. And so I want to encourage you that you would fulfill the destiny, purpose, and call of God on your life as a local church. I heard many years ago as I was leading our church back home in a pastoral role, just I, I felt God said to me, I'm going to turn the church upside down. And for us, what that meant was that we had ourselves turned from being what was a corporate structure into a family. And it took probably 10 years for that to happen. We had inherited a very strong um, leadership style. And, uh, and as, I, as I have experienced uh, Andreas's leadership style, I realize he's an incredibly strong leader. But I have watched him as he's become a dad over the years. It's many years now since we first met. He's become a real father, and his heart is to see the sons and daughters released. And today is such a day when you see as he's released his own biological son and his spiritual son into these positions. And Michael will be an equally strong leader, although his leadership style will be completely different. He is a completely different personality. And, and when I saw how God turned us upside down, and I inherited a situation where I was... I felt I will never succeed. I just, I'm just not strong enough. I want to say this. Every personality type can lead. And that goes for everyone here. It's just the style that differs. differs. How you do it may be very different. And I want to encourage the congregation to receive Michael's style so that he's not expected to lead in the same way Andreas did, but to know that it's going to be equally powerful. It's going to be equally strong but that which takes place here, I think, is going to have a big impact locally, much bigger than it has been doing. Um, so I, I thought I was going to fail, and, and I didn't, by God's grace. And usually when we hand over and we've been trusting God, we've, we make the right choice, and I believe the right choice has been made here with absolute confidence. You can look to the future, and, uh, and the team is going to look different. And in many ways, it changes from being a, a leader with a team to a team with a leader. And there is a big difference. And that often is what God does as we hand over. You need pioneer leaders to start things, and then you need team leaders to carry it on. And, um, and Michael's going to be such a man. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do here. Jim Collins, in his book, Good to Great, you know, they studied a lot of uh, business companies. And he said the same applies in leadership all over. But what they found is this, that if a level four leader, he, he grades them into five levels, and he said level four leaders want their successors to fail because it makes them look better. And there's just such a wrong picture there. 
as fathers. And I can see because I've got to know, you know, Andreas and Christella, they are rooting for you guys and you are going to succeed. Yeah. And uh, such a joy that the family has been able to observe this today. So the question is, as I guess Jim Collins would look at companies over a long period of time saying, you know, what's it going to be like in 15 or 20 years time? Well, if you want to run fast, you run alone. If you want to run far, you run in team. And God's changing the, uh, the way in which we run the race. And it's going to be a wonderful team race from here on in. I wanted to just briefly this morning, I've, I've tried to be as brief as possible just because of, the, of all the other things. just want to say this. I want to put a call upon you as a local church um, and upon the eldership now, the, the fresh eldership, to build a safe house here. And we've spoken, and you would have heard a lot said this morning about, uh, about fathers and sons. It's, it's, it's the carrier and the clarion call of Church of the Nations. We have built on father and son relationships. And I don't think you can build a safe house without building on fatherhood. Um, and, and home, you know, home should be the safest place in the world. It isn't always. We've had bad role models in family often. But the church should also be the safest place in the world for people to come to. In Church of the Nations, we have a saying, which is this, you'll never understand church until you understand family. Sadly, family hasn't always been well represented in our lives, and nor have we always experienced good family. But you won't understand church properly because it, on the Hebrew model of church, which Paul always talks about and how Paul built, it's always on family. So if you want to know how it works, go back to the family and you'll see how it works. It was never meant to be a corporate structure. But because of our broken, our broken relationships in family and our poor fatherhood role, sometimes the kingdom of darkness has, has got into church life. And many of us have been, been hurt and our examples haven't been great. And I, I want to just say this as for many people who've been in, lead, you know, in leadership positions in church. My greatest hurts, my greatest, greatest hurts in life came out of the church. And that's, it is, that's a travesty. We should have here, and I believe we can have here, the safest house in the world for people to come into, for people to be protected, for secrets not to be exposed, for sins to be covered over and for you to be corrected and carried through and disciplined and then released back, as it says in Galatians 6.1, to the place from where you've fallen so that we'll be safe. I don't want to be corrected by someone who's a judge, which has been the pattern of, of so much of church life in the past. Where you, when you fall, you get shot in the knees and everybody says, don't talk to him again, and he walks down the road crippled as opposed to what you would do with your sons and daughters and covering their sin and walking them through and restoring them back to the place from where they've, they've fallen and, and loving them back into, into righteousness and a life in Christ. And we need to connect into true spiritual fatherhood to do that. I think what happened as I look back you know, over the church life, it began in Jerusalem out of family and then it went across to Europe and initially you know, across to Greece and the, the Greek philosophers at the time and the, the fathers of the faith who many of them were deeply impact, impacted by that took on a philosophy which, which turned our Christian walk from being that which was based simply in family 
to a much more philosophical understanding of the Christian walk, which it isn't. If it's based on Hebrew, it's very, it's very grounded. It's very family. It's very real. And then it went from there across to Rome, became an institution. From there to Europe became just a culture, which it still is today. And, uh, and then it went further west, and in many ways, it's become an enterprise, isn't it? Not everywhere. I'm not, it's, not a, it's a huge generalization. But church cannot be business. It can't just be a culture. It can't just be an institution. And it can't just be a philosophy. It must be family. So Ephesians 3 verse 14 says this. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We have the privilege of having the name of Father God. And Father in Hebrew derived from the root word source. So he's our source, and fatherhood represents the source. And so it's wonderfully powerful in our Christian walk and in our, in our church family to know that. And to know that God's favorite title for himself is Father uh, or Abba. But he never asked us to call him Mr. President. I don't know why church leaders have to be called Mr. President when they lead this network or something. It's just a strange thing, but mankind looks for titles God's looking for fathers, looking for mothers who be prepared to step into the gap. You know the wonderful thing about being a father or a mother is you don't have to meet every need. You just have to make sure that every need is met. So if your kids need a doctor, you take them to the doctor. You don't have to be the doctor. Just to encourage you in that as elders. We don't have to be everything to everybody. We have a body around us. There are people who with, with giftings that we can trust and use. He's not our exalted ruler. He's not the CEO of the university. He's not the managing director. He's his father. And he said, pray to, you know, Jesus taught us, pray to the father like this, our father. And he introduced us to him. John 20 verse 17, he said, go find my brothers and tell them that I'm ascending to my father and your father, my God and your God. What a privilege we have of knowing, you know, the creator of the universe as father. And the perfect father. And he has no grandchildren. It's an interesting thought. He knows each one of us. And for each one of us, he's Abba Father. And our role as leaders, I believe, and want to encourage you know, the, the leadership here. Our, our, our role is to build our people into him. And not into us. There's such a, a sadness for me when I look across the body of Christ and I see how many people are following strong leaders who build the people into themselves and not into Jesus. Um, and then there comes this interdependence of a leader who needs to be affirmed of his leadership and, and the unhealthy relationship that takes place with, with the flock because they become dependent on their leader. And they survive to have the attention of the leader, and the leader survives as he gets the attention of the people. And there's something wrong like that, with that. And I just see this picture now as Andreas and Christella hand over and see how things have the potential to be just so different to that as these young men and women take on the role. And, you know, it's like teaching a child to ride a tricycle. You run alongside them for a while, but at some point you've got to let go. And today, you know, you're letting go. And, and we think you guys are going to ride a great race. 
And we're very excited for you. So, 2 Corinthians 6.18, God says this to us. He says, I will be your father, through Paul speaking and quoting the Scripture. And he says, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So just as we're all children in the house, we're also moms and dads in the house. And, um, and yet we still have the privilege of calling him Abba, or loosely translated Daddy. Romans 8.15, you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. Galatians 4.6, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you also an heir. And the promises of God throughout Scripture that come through family, through inheritance, are just incredibly powerful. 1 John 3, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. And dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Now, as a father, God, God needed to represent fatherhood in the earth, and He chose Abraham. And we have seen this morning, and um, Andreas said earlier on, you know, some, somehow this is a picture of the bridge between the generation that was and the one that's coming. And so each of us will have that bridge role to play. But we see it so clearly in the life of Abraham. Um, Abraham, as he was Abram, the exalted father, which is what it meant originally, and then Abraham, the father of many nations. And he represented for the Lord fatherhood into the earth, and it, it says that the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I'll make you a great nation. And I guess it speaks in many ways of that which happens as we follow in the Lord, and there's a promise in here for this church and for us. He will make us a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, here again, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the different tribes, the, the clans, the families, the nations will be blessed. And when we bring that into the New Testament, we see that those promises are now Ours as believers, Galatians 3, 7, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And 3, 29, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abram's offspring and heirs according to promise. And so that is an incredible blessing for us. We carry the promises now, and the promises on Alpha and Omega and on all of us here rest upon that which is an inheritance in God that comes to us through the cross because the cross took upon it the curse. Jesus took the curse. And we step into the blessing of Abraham. And the promises now belong to us. One of the great challenges at this point for you, Michael and Helen, is going to be to understand how you become a father and a mother to the congregation, and especially to folk who are older than you. I battled with that as well. And as Ken said, you know, we ended up with a couple of thousand folk eventually. And my challenge was how are you supposed to father all those people? The reality is you don't, as long as they receive the cascade of Father's love down through however you structure the church and however it flows out. You must receive Father's love, not an institutional organization. And I believe that that is 
very real here, and I believe it will continue. And if you can't have a personal relationship with everyone, and I, people often ask, well, am I supposed to have a spiritual father, and who is it, and get all in a knot about that. No, we have spiritual fathers, and God puts them in place over time, but there may be more than one as well. Um, Paul spoke about, you know, you may have, may not have many, you may have many mentors and teachers, but not many fathers. So as long as it cascades down, I believe the Lord has His hand upon your lives, and I think that we will see with great joy how you emerge as a mom and dad in the house. And Stephen, even you and Nicole, wherever you guys are sitting, um, there, there is a, there's a real sense in me that you will emerge in time. I always wondered how it would be. You became parents, and you're looking after kids, and they made you parents in many ways. And, this, and the sons and daughters in this house will make you parents. And you don't have to stress about it. Genesis 18, 19 speaks about this Abram. He says, I've, God says, I've singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord and do what's right and just. So the blessing of fatherhood's passed down. We saw it passed on today. And that fatherhood now rests upon you. And we don't have to strive in it. When the baby ends up in our hands, we're a dad. <laughs> and you do what comes naturally. <laughs> and you're not well prepared for it, and there's always a bit of a shock. But fatherhood's still God's design. And uh, we know that Jesus himself became an ever everlasting father. He was given as a, you know, born as a child, given as a son, and he became an everlasting father. So when we read in 1 Corinthians 4.15, it says, For if you were to have countless tutors that is, mentors, teachers, and instructors in Christ, yet you'd not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. And God will give you your sons and daughters, and they will be given you as a mom and dad. And it doesn't necessarily depend on age, but not everyone here has to see them as a mom and dad, because mom and dad will still be in the house. And Andreas and Christella will continue in a role. So, build a safe house. Paul structured the church on a Hebraic model of family, built on elders who are fathers rather than on a democracy and a parliamentary system, built as family rather than a pyramid structure with somebody sitting on top of the pyramid calling the shots. And maybe we could just summarize it like this. You'll never understand church until you understand family. Church leadership was never intended to be based on a democratic or parliamentary or judicial worldview. It came out of a, an abstract understanding of the church. It was always meant to be family, and it was never meant to be a business. I want to end with just a quick picture again, and it was mentioned earlier, in fact, the picture of Elijah and Elisha. Um, and so, as I said, much of what I wanted to say has been said, and it's been said in different ways by all of us this morning. But I want to take you back to Gilgal in the at the moment when Elijah, and we have this story, it kicks around in Church of the Nations a lot, but I want to remind you of it. Elijah was at Gilgal, and when you read back, you will see that Elisha became, in a sense, a servant to, uh, to Elijah. And Elisha served him for many years. And the, the picture 
you know, has been so clearly portrayed this morning. You have been an incredible Elisha to Elijah. And as he was leaving Gilgal, Elisha is spoken to by Elijah who says this to him. He says, he says you stay here. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm moving on. Stay here. And, and this was Elisha's reply to his you know, to, in a, to, to, the, to the person he'd served all these years. He just said, Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. And then he goes down to Jericho. Elijah does. And Elisha follows him down to Jericho. And the same thing happens there. Elisha says again when Elijah says to him, You just stay here. I'm moving on. He says, No, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. And then they pass through the Jordan River. And so this picture of Elisha sticking by Elijah all the time, they get on the other side, and the prophets, remember, said to Elisha as they were going through, they said to him, you know that your, your, you know, your prophet is now going to be taken today. And, uh, and he says, yes, I know. And then there's this incredible picture of the chariot taking Elijah home. Before he goes, Elisha says, I, I want your anointing. I, I want a double anointing. And as the chariot takes Elijah, Elijah had said to Elisha, my mantle falls. If you see it, then you will receive it. That's what he was saying. And so it fell. Elisha saw it. But as that chariot was leaving, he could have cried out many things. He, he could have cried out, you know, my pastor, my pastor. Or he could have cried out, uh, my master, my master, because he served him. But he didn't. He, he cried out, Father, my father. And the servant that he had been, he became a son. And that's what we've seen here. We've seen the anointing. I believe you've seen the mantle today. I believe we've seen the mantle fall upon Michael. He picks up that mantle. He goes back to the Jericho. With all the prophets watching, he smites the river and says, Where is the God? of Elijah. The waters parted and he walked through. And when you count the prophecy, uh, the, the, the miracles, when you count the miracles, he did exactly twice as many miracles as are recorded of that which Elijah did. There is a heritage for us in family. There's a heritage in the Abram, Isaac, and Jacob picture People often say the real blessing comes to the grandchildren, to the third generation. And maybe that's true. I'm watching my grandchildren, you know, being raised up now as a third generation. And you will see and are watching yours raised up as a third generation. But there's no doubt that you walk in a heritage, all of you, Stephen and Nicole, Michael and Helen. You walk in a heritage promises blessing. It promises. There's an incredible hope. There's, a, there's an inheritance here which we need to tap into. 
we need to honor, and we have done, and we are grateful. And Father, today as we have come to the end of this handing over, this ceremony in which we have delighted in the stories and the honoring and the handover, Lord, we look now as we see the mantle falling off Elijah and resting upon Elisha. And may that mantle be comfortable on Michael's shoulders. And may he walk in the fullness of all that you've prepared for him. And Helen by his side, may their family never suffer because of the church. May the church be a safe place for them. May it be a safe place for Stephen and Nicole and their family. May it be a safe place for every leader who is part of it. And Father, may this be a safe place for every member and every con congregational member who is still to join here, of which I believe there are many, because I believe with all my heart you're going to see great growth now. But you will see those people through new eyes when you see them from the place of building them into your safe house and welcoming them home. And so may the leadership be safe here and may the people be safe here. May that shepherd's crook be used not to beat the sheep, <laughs> but may it be used to draw the lost in. And may they find Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior here. And may we all one day, with great joy, stand before the throne room of our King. And may we all hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servants, because we have, with all that is within us, fulfilled what you called us to do. So Lord, I bless and thank you for that which you've done here today. And we release this church to your mercy, to your grace to your honor and to your glory and yeah look with great excitement to see what you're going to do in the years ahead amen we hope that you've enjoyed this message for additional resources and more information come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za